Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Let's see. Oh, my goodness. Hi, Ashley. She said she was going to be watching the second service, so I like to embarrass her. Um, that's my wife, if you don't know who that is. Uh, yes, good morning. Tom is over at Lighthouse preaching. You know, I, I, I noticed that every time I preach, uh, Pastor Tom has gone somewhere. Usually when one of the other staff pastors is preaching, he's here, like, taking notes. When I'm preaching, he's gone. So I don't know if that means anything or if that means he trusts me. I'm going to believe it means that he trusts me. <laughs> so, okay, that's my own personal joke that I like to laugh at. All right. Ashley always tells me, don't try to be funny. You're not funny when you try to be funny. So that's proven. Okay. Uh, Last time I got to uh, speak to you guys was back in March. It was was the first Sunday of lockdown, and uh, the message was freedom uh, in relationship. And it was all about our relationship with the Lord gives us freedom so that we don't have to be fearful or intimidated by anything. We can stand with him. And it was, that message had been planned for several months, way before we even knew anything about COVID. And then that day of lockdown, that was a message. So that was kind of neat. Well, today's message is a story about a young man who uh, came to know his identity and uh, uh, was able to stand in a place where no one else was willing to stand or able to stand against fear and intimidation. And uh, so, so we're talking about David and Goliath today. Um, but really, it's not so much about this story of David and Goliath. It's the story of David's life or one of the events in his life that was preparing him, that was, that was taking him on this journey to be king. And so we're going to talk about uh, that today, and let's pray. Jesus, we so love you and want to be close to you, and we're very aware that we desperately need you. So would your love for us that is far above and beyond our love for you pour out today into our hearts, transforming us, changing us, shaping us, causing us to look more like you, causing, us, causing our actions naturally to look more like your actions. Holy Spirit, come and, and, and manifest yourself Make, your, make, make us aware of how tangible your presence is, that we would taste and see that you are good. Everything else becomes strangely dim when you become first and foremost, when you reveal yourself to us by your Spirit. Lord, would the words I say today be your words? Would they pierce all of our hearts, mine as well? Causing us to look more and more like you. Healing us, transforming us, shaping us. Come and speak, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Okay, so we're, the passage this morning is actually 1 Samuel 17. We're going to start off in a verse from uh, 1 Samuel 16 and then jump over into uh, 17. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sukkah in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damim between Sukkah and Ezekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill, the Israelites another, with the valley in between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out to the Philistine camp. Skipping down, David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, and I killed it. Or I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord, who rescued me from the paw of the lion, And the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So here we have David who is ready to go face Goliath. And I mean, this is the quintessential kids' church message, flannel graph. We got little little David with his slingshot and monstrous Goliath, and he throws the stone and takes takes Goliath out and, and... that's awesome. I mean, it's great. That's amazing. And we can't be like David. And it's, it's true, but that's not really what this story about. I mean, it is. That happened. That's real. That was a very uh, 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 pivotal point in David's life, kind of almost a testing moment in his life. But we know David's destiny was not to fight Goliath. That, was, that wasn't the end game. David had been anointed to be king over all of Israel. It wasn't really about Goliath. Though that was an amazing event and a huge victory in David's life and all of Israel. It was monumental. But that wasn't God's big picture purpose. God's purpose for David was to rule and reign over Israel with with God. You see, God was the king of Israel. The people wanted a man to lead, remember. And Saul was chosen and messed up. And then God wanted to find someone that would do everything that God asked of him. And he saw David's heart. He found David. So David's purpose, his destiny was to rule and reign over Israel with God, God's people. 
But it's not like we know David wasn't some superhero that had been called out of the masses to come fight Goliath. Right? David was shepherd boy. He was the sheep poop shoveler of the family. He wasn't, he wasn't out learning how to battle and ready for war. He was busy shoveling sheep poop, taking care of them. But he was anointed to be king as this boy. How, how do you anoint a king that's busy shoveling sheep stuff? He was a servant shepherd boy. David twice says to Saul, your servant. You see, by this point in David's life, he knew who he was. The identity that had been shaped and molded in him and refined, has been tested, now brought him to a place where he was completely dependent on God. And this servant shepherd boy destined to be king on the way there was a servant giant slayer. He wasn't the superhero. He was to Saul, your servant will go take care of this. He knew who he was. When we get to, and, and please hear me, we never arrive, right? We, from glory to glory until we see him face to face. It's more like him, more like him, more like him from the inside out. But when we get to this place of confidence in God, knowing that live or die, I'm just going to obey and I'm just going to trust the Lord, fear cannot have its way in our life anymore, in any situation. And that, that's where David is. David is in this place where he knows God is going to rescue him and defeat and destroy Goliath and that he's going to have victory. When we have confidence in God, we are completely free to stand in any place that he puts us. And we're, and we're confident that we're going to have victory. Now, now okay, Joe, say, well, what, what if the story went the other way? We've all heard stories where people have stood and stepped out in God and confidence in him and the enemies wiped them out. Well, I can't speak to those situations, but what I can speak of, if David would have stepped out and the God of angel armies is with me and nothing, my God will take you down and Goliath's like, whatever kid, and chucks his spear and kills him. Still a victory for David. This is just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh... My God will rescue me from this fire. But even if he doesn't, I'm not bowing. I'm not bowing. That's the metal in these three boys. That's the metal in David. And we know God not only rescued Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but they didn't even smell of smoke when they came out of the fire. David took out this fierce nine-foot warrior with a stone. David against a warrior. 
nine feet tall, 100 plus pounds of armor, a 15 pound spear. David, probably about 5'8", kind of long hair. <laughs> the first service caught that right away. Okay. Again, don't try to be funny, Joe. You're not, don't try to be funny. Okay. No matter what happens, if we're obeying, we're victorious. It's God that's going to give us the victory. So you say, uh, Joe, well, that was David. You know, uh, God came upon him in power, and that's all we need to work. You know, that, that was David. Great story. But that is not happening in my life. Let me just say, it wasn't that easy for David. It wasn't, it wasn't all silver spoon and sparkles for him. Let's back up to when he was anointed. Samuel, the prophet, coming to Jesse's town. And the elders in the, in the town are like not excited that Samuel's coming. This is the prophet of God. In the Old Testament, when the prophet came to give a word, often it was a, it was a rebuke. You better stop doing this and turn to God or he, you're going to be destroyed. But if you turn to God, everything, he's going to take care of you and all his promises are good. So the elders are like, oh, why are you here? Do you come in peace? And Sam is like, yeah, I come in peace. Go, go prepare yourself. We're going to have a little, little worship time and sacrifice. Just, yeah, I'm not coming. I'm coming in peace. Everybody knew Samuel. And Samuel go, has, invites the house of Jesse. And Jesse brings all of his sons. But David... He's got eight sons. He brings seven of his sons, the oldest sons, to the worship service to hear the man of God speak something that's peaceful. How do you think David felt being stuck back with the sheep? My dad doesn't even see me as one of the men of the house. My dad thinks I would never be chosen or acknowledged by this prophet of God, so you just go do the busy work, you know, go take care of stuff, go shovel that stuff. And uh, the men of the house and I are going to go hear what the prophet has to say. I don't know, I'm not David, but in my heart, if that happened, I would feel rejection. If, I, if, I ha if my identity was based on how my parents or family or Pastor Tom or whoever valued me, if that's, if that's where I was fed value, and I'm telling you, I've been f that's where I drank from for a long time. That's where I've been wounded. I don't think it went great for David in his heart. I think he actually had to wrestle through that. We're going to talk about the lions and the bears, but I think that's one of David's real lions and bears. Yeah, he naturally clubbed a lion to death and a bear to death, but I think one of the things he really had to wrestle with was his rejection from his dad. 
we read throughout Psalms, David, always, almost all his Psalms were like, everybody's against me. I can't stop crying all night long. Woe is me. It's horrible. Will you please come and rescue me? But every Psalm, by the end, David has found his joy, his peace, and his hope in God. It always, it always, he always, he always comes back around by the end of the psalm. He's like, you know, and I don't know, maybe it took him an hour or two to write that psalm, you know, and he picks up his guitar and does some, you know, a song, picks the latest Bethel song and jams it, or whoever was big then. I mean, I love Bethel. I don't, I'm not making, I'm making fun of myself. Um, And it doesn't, it doesn't end there. It's not like, well, okay, I just got this little father wound thing. All his older brothers <laughs> didn't like him. It's, it said, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, David, in the presence of his brothers. Okay, all your older brothers have been lined up Samuel goes down, no, not this handsome, super strong one, not this one that's awesome at warfare, not this one that can do whatever. And they all, nope, 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 nope. And Samuel's like, don't you have any other kids, dude? God said the next next king's going to be one of your sons. Oh, yeah, we we got the sheep poop shovel. Let me go get him. So in front of all his older brothers that just got passed by by Samuel, the prophet who would be like Billy Graham of the country type thing, uh, just got overlooked. Nope, 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 nope. Go get the little kid. Don't you think there's some jealousy probably in the brothers? And I think we see that when David, to fast forward to Goliath again, Dad still doesn't have value for David. Hey, little buddy who's taking care of the sheep, here, get this bread and cheese. Go to your three older brothers. Go to the warriors of the house, the men of the house. Find out what's going on. Come, bring news. Let me know they're safe. Oh, sure, Dad. So he goes and does that, and he finds his brothers immediately. They're like, why are you even here? You just want to see some battle action. You just want to see some fighting. I know your wicked little heart. Like, okay, where's that coming from? They all saw him anointed by Samuel to be king. I don't think they accepted that. Or in their heart of hearts that they knew God himself had really anointed David to be king through his prophet Samuel and was completely envious and jealous and just hoping David would never rise up. So he had to fight through rejection and slander from his brother. But even even above and beyond that, his own voice. Again, we hear it throughout the Psalms. All of these things, when people hurt us and wound us, we need to go to the Lord with these things. We need to process. We need to forgive. We need to be healed. 
Because if we don't, those things start defining who we are inside. And I know firsthand what other people's voices defining me does to me. It's not good. It's not good. But as I had mentioned at the beginning, David's journey didn't stop with Goliath. It, didn't, it, 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 it began as a boy worshiping on the side of this hill. I, I can just imagine David with the Lord. The sun is setting, the sheep are eating in the valley. There's maybe a little, a little mist from the evening starting to cool off. And he's up on the hill and maybe leaning against a rock or something. And he's just, he's just strumming away, just worshiping, just him and God. He's getting, he's getting his identity. In that intimate, intimate, intimate place. That place of obscurity, that place of not being known. The place of taking care of sheep, just being a servant. God is defining him, calling him to be king. I mean, from that moment Samuel anointed him, I just imagine what David started to dream and think about. And, you know, you think of little Lion King and Simba, I just can't wait to be king. And all the things that must have been going in David's heart and mind. But at the end of the day, we know that his greatest pleasure and joy was to be in the presence of God. The one thing that I desire is to be in the house of the Lord, to gaze upon his beauty all the days of my life. We know that that's David. That's, that's the man after God's heart. And so from that place of worship and identity being formed and tackling the lions and bears and dealing with all his stuff, God places him in front of Goliath, a place where no one else could stand, no one else would stand. The entire Israelite army was afraid. Every soldier was afraid. No one, no one went out to fight Goliath. But little David did. Servant David did. Shepherd boy David did. Not superhero David. He's not a superhero. He's not awesome. It's just... He's just a dude that knew who he was in God. Definitely a hero of the faith. But just a child of God. David was destined to be king of Israel. And we know more training went on in the desert. He could have easily, easily taken Saul's life. Twice, his closest buddies, amazing warriors, said, God has delivered Saul into your hands, your enemy into your hands. This is God. Take him out. Take the throne. It's yours. You've been anointed. You, this is your purpose and destiny to be king. Take it. Nope. Will not touch the head of the Lord's anointed. You see, God gave David the throne of Israel. God gave him his purpose and assignment and made it happen. Yeah, David had to do some things. He was tested along the way 
and changed and shaped along the way, but he didn't take it. He didn't secure it for himself. He didn't meet with, you know, the elders on the side, like, hey, I'm the next blah, 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 like, help me out here, vote for me tomorrow. No. He, I mean, even in the desert, he had 300 amazing warriors. How much larger was his military by that point? He had 30 closest, his closest mighty men that were just, you know, special forces type. He, didn't, he could have gone in and secured the throne and overthrown. But even, 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 even above and beyond him ruling and reigning over Israel with God, I think David's greatest purpose and assignment from God was to make a place for God's presence for his people. As soon as David was given the throne, he's like, let's get the ark back. Let's, let's get it back. We need the presence of God in the city of David. We need it. And let's build a temple for it. See, I don't think we realize even as God will speak to us and as we see him training us and promoting us, so to speak, and advancing us, and we have an idea of what the purpose looks like at its zenith type thing, even at that, we don't realize what God is doing through our lives. We don't realize what his real purpose is. The upper story behind the scenes is going on. For David, it was all about bringing God's presence to his people. God's kingdom on earth. Well, you're like, That's, that sounds good, Joe. And uh, you can say that you've been given a platform and, you know, you're a pastor. So you can be all excited about that because it's worked out great for you. Well, it, it is a really good season. I have, I have grown in my identity, but I'm not, I haven't arrived anywhere. I still have things that I need to be free from. But I want to share some of the journey along the way of some of my lines and bears, so to speak, some of the things I had to wrestle with and wrestle away from the enemy that was hurting me. So I, I had shared, well, let me back up. So God, uh, you, uh, just miraculous, amazing encounter with God. He delivers me from drugs and alcohol instantly. Dynamic experience. That, ne- that was 16 and a half years ago. The next six months to a year was just Holy Spirit activity off the charts. Like, I grew up not being taught that. I was taught the Word of God, which is awesome and foundational. Uh, but we were taught the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost to start the church, and when we got saved, the Holy Spirit lives in us, and boom, that's, that's it. Gifts are not happening today. But in my life, they're happening like crazy out of control, wildfire. And then people began to call me out of the crowd at prayer meetings. Just, you know, big words. You're going to go to the nations. People I didn't know saying these things to me. You're going to go to the nations. 
You're going to speak in sports arenas. You're going to do this. God's going to use you to do that. Guys, I was 23 years old and my head was this big. I, didn't, I wasn't taught this stuff growing up. I didn't know anything about humility. I didn't know anything about the journey of being transformed and prepared and my identity being in him alone. I was like, awesome! I'm anointed! Gifts are happening! Prophetic words are happening like crazy! Pray for people to get healed! This is awesome! Let's take it on the road! And you guys know the story. Man, I thought, Christian rock band, we're going to make millions of dollars, we're going to do water wells all over Africa, we're going to change Africa. Goodness sakes, time out, little buddy. You are just drunk on yourself. But it took seven years for God to bring me to the place of brokenness where I would actually hear him. And I've shared that story, so I won't rehash all of that. So when that happened, six months later, my attitude was, fine, God, what in the world do you want me to do? I had it all figured out. We were going to do this. And that's when he's like, I want you to be a pastor. No, you don't. Yeah. I want you to love God's people. No, I don't want to do that. I want to be out there doing awesome stuff. And uh, he just slowly broke my heart and showed me how gross it was inside. But let me tell you, it was so gentle, it was so sweet. Yeah, there were a lot of tears, because when you see how gross you are, you're like, oh. But then he just keeps loving you anyways. And not even anyways, he just keeps loving you because he loves you. It's just like... So, meet with Pastor Tom. Tom, I think God wants me to be a pastor. No, he doesn't. Go back. You have a job. Go do your job. You're, you're witnessing to everyone at work. Go. Okay. Two mo- it won't go for two months. Tom, I meet with him again. You don't meet with Tom twice about the same thing. Tom, I think I'm supposed to be a pastor. Yeah, but he, oh, he gets up and goes to the bathroom. He doesn't even respond. He gets up, leaves the room to go to the bathroom. I'm like, oh my goodness, what have I... This is not going to go good. He comes back. He's like, buddy, I've just been waiting. I've just been waiting. You had to know it was God and no one else. God is calling you. And I knew he was calling me to youth ministry and to help Pastor Derek and to, to be, to, and we were going to split high school and junior high pastor. We were going to be junior high pastor. I didn't want to be junior high pastor. But I knew that God was saying to do this. And so Tom, I was like, Tom, right away, Tom, this is training. And in my mind, in my heart, it would be a year or two. Well, it's been seven and a half years. And here's the thing. The first six months of it, God began to change my heart and gave me a love for these young people that acted the same way I act. Junior high kids, yep. Drove, you fit right in with them. Good. <laughs> But I knew that I knew that wasn't the end purpose. And so 
Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing that we need to get this morning. When the enemy comes, when those lions and the bears come to steal the sheep or to steal the pearls or the wealth or the value that God has given us and shaped us on the inside, the, the enemy tries to come and rob and steal and kill and destroy that, right? When the enemy tries to grab it and runs off with it, I think often we, we can chase after it and club it and take it back, but we don't realize that that thing is turning on us. That thing is, turns on us, that lion, that thing, that thing turns on us, and we don't grab it by the hair and kill it. And that, that's what David did. He went, he clubbed it, he took it out of the teeth from the predator, from the enemy, and when it turned on him, he clubbed it to death. And that's, that's, that's where we need to move to. You see, I got free from this insecure thing of wanting to prove myself and be seen as super godly and anointed and doing amazing things for God in the world. I got free from that. But then it, 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 it turned on me. Oh, I'm just going to be junior high pastor. And then you see, God shows you how gross that is. Like, oh, yeah, I, am, I just want to be your servant, Lord. That's all I want to be, really, really. And you get free again. Or I would get free. But I didn't kill that thing. It would come back around at another opportune time. And it would turn on me. And so there were different times, different seasons, when, when I was just like, Ah, I'm tired of shoveling the sheep poop. I don't want to be your servant anymore. I want to do my thing again. And again, we don't say those things out loud, but that's what's going on. I, uh, this was a, probably about three years ago. Uh, just kind of in a dark time in my heart about everything, angsty. Just really basically insecure. Had a whole bunch of Christian language about why I wasn't insecure. And uh, sweet Alice, sweet Alice Flaherty, After Tuesday night prayer, she came up and saw probably that I was all in a mood and an attitude And being the sweet mom that she is, like, oh, what's up? You okay? And she just looked at me said, in only the way a mom could, without judgment or shame, with 100% acceptance, she just looked at me and said, Joe, no one is disrespecting you. And I was just like, what? You see, I, I was so in this place where I needed to be respected, and I'm just the junior high pastor, and no one's respecting me, and blah, 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 and this person gets to do that, and I have to do this, and why do they get to do that? Why do they act like that? I'm being good, I'm behaving, I'm doing all the stupid stuff I'm supposed to be doing. So gross, so sick. It's that insecurity 
and not feeling validated or valued from people, which, hello, how often does that happen? Not getting my validation from the Lord began to cause little things of dissension and bitterness in my heart, judgment and offense. So when someone would do something like, that's out of bounds, they can't be doing that. But I wouldn't, I would keep it all inside. And I remember driving down Reiner Road from my home to work. And I'm at the stop sign, if you know Reiner Road, there's kind of that asphalt little uh, company there or whatever. And I'm just steaming. How could they do them? Just steaming. The Lord's like, you're mad because you want to cut them down. You're mad because you're not lashing out. You, you, wanna, you want to. You see, I, I grew up, I was a pretty scrawny kid. I got picked on a whole lot, but man, I was super nasty with my tongue. I could cut anyone down in a part that was being mean physically or if they did a joke that was cutting, I could do one that was ten times worse. And I was so mad because I just, in my heart, I wanted to destroy this person with my words and just put them in their place. And so the Lord wasn't like, you poor boy. It's like, you're mad because you want to act like they're acting. How ridiculous. Grow up. And just the ugliness is revealed again. And about a year and a half ago, well, no, it was uh, Intimacy with God 2018. I have been drumming since I was 10 years old on worship teams, minus the five years that I wasn't following the Lord. So nearly 25 years of being on worship teams and playing often, which I love drumming, that's fine. I love worship, that's fine. But all the time, let me tell you, every time in the, in the drum cage is not a heightened worship experience just because... You know, Pastor Nathan will tell you the same thing. Just because we're leading worship doesn't mean we're having this dynamic encounter. Often it's, it's just serving and just, God, we love you and our hearts are, we're trying to pour our hearts out to you, but we're trying to hear what the guitar is doing and the bass and this person said that during practice or whatever. I mean, there's just all sorts of stuff going on that we have to fight through. And it's, 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 it's a sacrifice of worship. And uh, so that was another thing that kept circling around where I'm just like, gosh. It was even a joke that, Joe, you're, you're the drumming pastor. And I'm like, ah, I'm the drumming pastor. That was funny for like two years. And then I'm just like, oh, I'm the drumming pastor? And, and my heart started getting sick again because... I was putting value in what I did and how people saw me and what I wanted to do versus just serving the Lord because I love the Lord. 
And so intimacy with God 2018, I was, just, I was in a really good season. It was a really good season, good place in worship, on the worship team, all that sort of stuff, just really good place, tender place. God, I just want to do this with you. This is fine. If I'm your little drummer boy forever, that's great. I love you. And as for real, like that's where I was at. And it's for real. And Nate is in the, kind of in the place in the song. There was no drumming going on. And I'm just like, oh, God, yes. Ah, oh, this is so beautiful. This is what it's all about. You're the reward. You know, all the stuff that we preach and say, but actually like experiencing it and believing it for real, two different things. That was happening. And uh, Nate's doing the song, Put Me Anywhere. I'll, I'll, I'll do anything. I just, I'll serve you anywhere. I just want to see your glory. And I'm just like, yes, Lord, this is it. This is... And in that moment of brokenness and submission and surrender, God spoke to my heart and he said, son, if you keep your heart with, right here, right here, if you just stay right here with me like this, I will, I will take you wherever you want to go. Something's downloading. If you stay here with me like this, if you keep your heart with me, just like this, I'll take you wherever you want to go. When I wasn't trying to take or manipulate or push, when I surrendered, God's just like, yeah, Buddy, me and you together, wherever you want to go, let's do that. I want to go. You know, the whole meaning behind that is my heart is becoming like God's heart in that my, my dreams are becoming his dreams. He's making me like him. He makes us like him. And when our hearts let go, he can do anything. And he wants to give us stuff. He's so generous. He's not withholding. He just knows when we're ready. And we don't ever really know when we're ready. We think we're always ready. At least that's been my experience. Oh yeah, I can do that. Oh yeah, I'm ready. It was shortly after that, oh maybe six months the beginning of 2019, I had my monthly meeting with Tom. Calls me into his office or an appointment or whatever. And, buddy, I want you to get some training in healing and deliverance. Just think that would be good for you. That kind of fits your gift mix. And, yeah, why don't you just go read some books or do some training type thing. Oh, okay. Get some books. Take some classes. A handful of weeks later, next meeting... Hey, uh, we're going to start a ministry called Freedom Ministry, and you're going to be in charge of it. What? Yeah, yeah, you've gotten a little training. It's been like five weeks. Yeah, you, this, is, you, this is God. You are in charge. I'm giving this to you. Okay. We've been meeting for over a year as a team. Our team this summer in August... 
after the Freedom Fighter Knights went from 12 people to over 25, we've been praying and meeting with people again. Some on Zoom, some face-to-face. Now God is placing me, he's placing our freedom teams in front of people that need help with their lions and bears, that need help to stand up against their giants. You see, God gave that to me. I didn't have to fight for it. And it's something that I didn't see coming, and it's been so much fun, so beautiful, such a privilege hearing so many stories and seeing God set so many people free and encourage them. And it's all been God. You see, God has anointed each and every one of us. You're like, no, he hasn't. Like, well, maybe you came like with your little vial and prayed a nice prayer and did a little of that. No, I'm not talking about that anointing. I'm talking about you've been anointed to be a king or queen. The moment you said yes to Jesus, he anointed you. He calls us his royal priesthood. The moment you said yes to Jesus and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit came into your heart, into your body, your spirit was regenerated and he anointed you and called you. Anointed just means set apart. He set you apart for a specific purpose and now we're all on this journey going through our lions and bears, standing in front of our giants You see, the giants represent things and areas and spheres where no one else will or can stand because they're too afraid or they didn't go through their lines and bears. For David, all of Israel was terrified. The whole army was terrified. And when he came and stood where they were not able or willing to stand in God's mighty power, what happened after David knocked that giant down? the entire Israelite army rose up and decimated the Philistine army, went after him. When one person stood, when one person stands where no one else will stand against a giant, it liberates and empowers everyone else to rise up and and go reap the harvest and destroy everything the enemy's doing. That's for each and every one of us. It may be with your family. It may be in your neighborhood. It may be at your workplace. It may be in the capital, for, in our government. It may be in the state. It may be in the nation. It may be globally. It doesn't matter where, when you stand, when you, when you walk into the place that God has prepared for you to stand where no one else is, to everybody else rises up. There's an opportunity for everyone else to rise up. Goliath had other brothers, other giants. The whole Israel army went after him and just decimated them. Our training and our purpose. 
God has anointed and called us to be his servant king and queens, that we will rule and reign with him. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. I don't know exactly how that plays out. I know we're not, you know, little amorphous blobs with some angel wings playing harps. We, we will rule and reign. It's much like Eden. It's going to be perfect. There's going to be more tears, no more sin, no more pain. Yeah. Let's get excited about that. It's like right back to Eden. But perfect. And we rule and reign with him. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but God said, you know, to, to the, the parable, uh, parable of the talents, you know, I gave you five talents and you, you multiply those, you got ten. Now you're in charge of ten cities. I don't know what that looks like, but that sounds really good. And that's, that's real. That's That's real. Don't know how that's going to look in eternity. That's, I, I, I want to, well done, good and faithful servant. Just the things you have called me to, Lord, not what I've wanted to do, not what I think I should have done. What the things you've given me and trained me to do and taught me to stand in. Because when we do that, guys, we empower everyone around us who's terrified to rise up into their purpose and destiny. God is training us for war. If we look around Madison, it's crazy right now. There's all sorts of stuff going on in the natural, but we understand that there, behind the scenes there are things supernaturally going on there are strongholds in this city that go way deeper and way beyond whatever little political things and mask things and this thing and that thing. They go so deep. God has not forgotten this city. God doesn't look at Madison and say, oh, this is such a dark place. Ugh. God wants his kingdom to reign and rule here. I mean, a little pro quid, we know we won't see the fullness of his kingdom till he returns. But why, why wait now when he says, pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. There's, there's a level, there's a, 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 a magnitude of his kingdom that is available for right now. So let's war against the principalities, the dark powers, those things, those demonic things of this world. Let's, let's war against those, not each other. God wants Madison to be a place where people can experience him and his kingdom. He wants Madison to be a refuge, not, not a place, not a refuge for hedonism and liberalism and just do whatever you want and feels good type thing. And I don't mean liberalism in a political sense. You see, David was willing to die. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were willing to die. They didn't think they were. 
In fact, they, they were confident they weren't. Even, even Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were being pushed to the fire, and those people trying to throw them into the fire, they died and burned up. They didn't. There was another in the fire. But even above and beyond making Madison just a sweet place, and he wants his presence to be manifest here, he wants to, to revive the church and wake up the city to his love, to who he is. And that happens when inside we say enough is enough. I'm going to club this, this bear to death that keeps coming and stealing from me over and over. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of having to go back and pull it out of... My, the precious things that God has put in me and shaped me. I'm tired of the enemy robbing, steal, killing, and destroying that. I'm tired of chasing after those things and pulling them back from the enemy. Let's, let's just destroy those things. Let's destroy the plans that the enemy is doing in, by the Spirit of God. Not, not our own cunning, whatever, strength, ability, skills, gifting, but by the power of the Spirit of God. Just knowing our God is the God of angel armies. I, mean, I just I could imagine if we could kind of pull back the curtain that there's thousands of angels armed around this building. Imagine what it looks like in the city. The other thousands of believers and dozens of churches that fear God. It's no joke. People are dying and going to hell. And he wants to use us to bring freedom to those that are suffering. It's Isaiah 61. The whole point of Isaiah 61, there's all these people that are mourning, all these people that their lives have become ash. God's going to make beautiful. He calls them oaks of righteousness. How can they be oaks? Their lives are a mess. They're, they're, they're just a mess. Yeah, God's exchanging beauty for ashes. Where there's all sorts of mourning, he's bringing joy. And those oaks, those are the ones that are going to rebuild the cities that have long been devastated. Worship team, you guys can start making your way. I want to share one more thought with you as we're closing. A stone for me has been Psalm 46.10. In every message pretty much that I've given, it's in there. Um, but how, if that little verse, Psalm 46.10, be still or cease striving and know that I'm God. It's not about finding this quiet center in our hearts where we're just like, oh, we're so happy, it's all peaceful and still, God, you're, you're, you're God, yay. It's, it's this stop, stop everything you're doing trying to manipulate and control all those loud voices you're listening to, all that craziness out there, stop, cease, stop listening to it, stop trying to figure it out, stop trying to protect yourself. Just, just hold still. 
and know that I am God. That, that, Pastor Tom gave that to me many years ago and has been a transformative verse for me. He gave it to me in ministry context where we dial down to do ministry. We don't ramp ourselves up and yeah. We just dial down and let the anointing come. Let the Holy Spirit come and speak. And so I applied that. I was like, oh, this works great. Because it's not about me. Okay, good. Oh, duh, it's not about me. And, uh, but then it started to spill over and, and, and grow into other, other uh, facets of my life. And so I've loved this verse for years and years. And a couple months ago, I discovered a Misty Edwards song, Psalm 46, and it's all about God being the God of war and coming and destroying the enemy. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. I love this song. I play it over and over and over. And then two weeks ago, I'm like, Psalm 46? My favorite verse is Psalm 46.10. Huh. Maybe I should read the rest of Psalm 46 because <laughs> I just let like Psalm 46.10. So I want to read Psalm 46.10. Or Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. Lord, let that be in Madison. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Let's pray. God, we, we recognize that you are here by your Spirit. We recognize you, God of heaven's armies, is here. And that the same spirit that, that rose you from the grave, that resurrected you from death, lives in us right now. Lord, whom shall we fear? Whom shall we fear? So what if we die? I'm not looking to be martyred. I'm not looking to die. But to obey you and stand in any place. You will rescue us. 
You will defend us. You will be victorious. But even if this tent falls, even if this body fails, we are victorious in you. We will not bow to the voice of the enemy. We will not bow to intimidation and fear. And God, I'm asking for those that, that are struggling with fear, that you would come to them like a warrior. You are the warrior. We're not actually the warriors. We have no strength on our own. Would you come to us, to those of us that are struggling with fear, that are struggling with intimidation, that the enemy's voice has been so loud and so real, would you come and whisper your sweet nothings that destroy and throw off and break all of those things and silence all of those things? Our gentle whisper, your tenderness is our good. We love you. Lord, would you free us that we'd be so free indeed that we would go and do and say whatever you want all the way across the street to our neighbor's house. Sometimes it just feels like it's the other side of the world. But it's just a couple steps. That cubicle across the way is just so far away and they're mean and they're gonna, they're, it's up. Lord, help us just go in love. Help us, God. Cause us to rise up. You are the David. We're not the David. You are the victorious one that causes us to rise up as your army to pillage the things that the enemy has done and is doing. Empower us, God, and help us stand up in your mighty strength in your mightiest power, by your spirit. Thank you guys for being here today. Those of you online, thank you for joining us. Uh, go know that you are so loved by uh, the, this team and this staff, um, but go knowing that God loves you so much and is so, so proud of your process and your journey and has, he has more hope for you than you have hope for you. Go knowing that you are in the apple of his eye and uh, go overflow some of that love to someone that needs it. Have an awesome day.